This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What's up, y'all? want to welcome you back to the Hunt Stand Podcast. Season 2, and this is your host, Will Cooper. The Hunt Stand Podcast is your weekly source for insightful conversations with veteran hunters, dedicated outdoor enthusiasts, and top industry personnel. I'm going to have guests on here who are true experts in their field, diving into the captivating world of our industry and the great outdoors. With each episode, you, the listener, will receive invaluable knowledge, tips, and guidance on how to enhance your skills in the wild and in life. Tune in to be entertained, informed, and driven to reach new heights. The Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Yamaha and its full line of class-defining, adventure-seeking motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-side vehicles. The Hunt Stand Podcast is also brought to you by Springfield Armory and their lineup of Model 2020 Waypoint Rifles. And finally, the Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Stealth Cam. It's never been easier to go wireless with the Command Pro app. Capture high-quality photos and videos of all the action wherever you hunt with Stealth Cam's advanced cameras and data plans tailored to your needs. So make sure you check out their website today, StealthCam.com. Hunt Stand Podcast Season 2. Buckle up. It's going to be a good ride. Let's go. All right, brother. Well, welcome back to the Hunt Stand Podcast. I don't think there's any need for a full introduction. But give those that don't know you, Josh, kind of that quick 30-foot tree stand view of yourself. I knew you were going to make me do the 30-foot tree stand view. I do it to everybody, man. <laughs> By the way, if I ever had to climb up in a tree stand that was 30 feet, I don't think you could get me up there, man. I'm afraid of heights. That's a, Are you that's really? That's a tall, tall tree stand. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually not afraid of heights. I'm terrified of falling. Like yeah. the fe- As soon as I start thinking about falling... From I could be sitting here right now and picture myself on a cliff, and as soon as I start thinking about it, like my knees start to quiver. It's not the height; it's not the actual height. I actually have to consciously think about the fall, and then I'm like, "Oh." But uh, you're afraid of heights, just like you are mountain lions. Mountain lion? Oh yeah, yeah. Terrified (laughs) of mountain lions, especially when their whole body is covered in needles. 
story for another time. We'll save that. We'll save that for another one. Uh, thirty foot tree stand view. I love turkey hunting, and I'm happy that I get to work with you at Hunt Stand. And the rest is history. You're so corny, dude. <laughs> so corny. <laughs> I love turkeys and my friends. Turkeys and my friends, and being his boss. <laughs> <laughs> Well, dude, I wanted to do this episode because it's the end of May. We're pretty much into June at this point. Turkey season's over. I don't know of anywhere else in the nation that turkey season's still going. I think maybe up in the Northeast. Correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't look for this year. Maine is usually open a couple of days into June. It's typically the last the last season in the whole country. Um now that said, we're talking spring season, but as our friend Jeff Buds taught us, yeah. actually kill a turkey somewhere in the United States every single month of the year. And if people haven't listened to that episode of the podcast with Jeff Buds from last year and you're an avid turkey hunter, you got to listen to it. The dude's a machine. Mm-hmm. He has He's probably taken more grand slams of wild turkeys than anybody. And for that matter, he's probably killed more wild turkeys than anybody on the planet. Um, I'm pretty sure. And uh, that guy, what was it last year? Killed a turkey in every every month of the year. Yeah, he did. So he completed it. But as far as the traditional spring season goes, yeah, uh, Maine usually closes it out. Florida usually starts it. Maine usually yeah. closes it out. And if I had it my way, I'd be in Florida every year to start it, and Maine every year to finish it, and everywhere else in between. Maybe next year for the turkey posse. I'm I'm overdue to get back to Florida, and uh, given that it's May 31st, and my season is done officially today in Minnesota, um, I would I would go to great lengths and possibly even do some terrible things just to have two more days. Well, we might yeah. have, we might have to do something next year, you know, especially if I'm going to complete that Grand Slam. I I think you need to do it, man. I really do. Well. You're going to, I'm going to need your help planning it out. So man, turkey season's over. We're getting to that time of year where honestly, a lot of people don't know what to do with themselves. You know, deer season, then you kind of got like that little bit of that lull between deer and turkey season. You know, you got your trade show season, but then people just go straight into turkeys. That's all we've been talking about for feels like the past half a year, honestly, the past four or five months, honestly. And so now it's pretty much come to an end. So I kind of want to have a recap of your turkey season, you know, let's kind of recap the the posse. Uh, how many birds did you put on the ground? I mean, I feel like we had a pretty successful spring. So, I mean, how did you feel about this whole spring season, man? It was a little bit of a different season for me. Um, just in the fact that I, I, I did a ton of turkey hunting and I probably spent more time with turkeys than I have because I actually I did a lot more preseason stuff than normal and um I frankly I spent a lot more time scouting and I really devoted a huge chunk of this season just to really like paying a, cl- a close attention to finer details in watching turkeys do their day-to-day business. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know why I decided to do that this year but like I'm talking about just a matter of um even when I didn't have a tag or anybody anybody to go hunting with and even if I wasn't really tangibly going scouting, I found myself a lot of evenings or even some mornings just driving around 
observing turkeys, watching turkeys from the road and just like, just trying to pay attention to some of their, their finer, like behaviors. Yeah. Um, I'm a psychopath when it comes to that. So <laughs> I had a great season numbers wise for myself and numbers wise across the board in terms of hunts I was a part of. It wasn't a record by any means. I still got to see a lot of great successful hunts and um, it's not all about numbers, but numbers, numbers are typically a pretty good indication of how much I've been able to spend time with the wild turkey and be out there hunting. So, yeah, you know, it's not about stacking them up, but you know, if you, if you end up seeing a lot of turkeys get shot, it means you probably had a pretty thorough turkey season. So it's, it's a decent barometer, but it's not, it's not the primary measurement measurement of success by any means. I just, I love being out there with the birds and trying to understand what's going on in that freaking walnut sized brain. Are you, would you kind of consider yourself like the version of the tiger King? Like you're one with the Turkey. <laughs> Dude, I wish I, if I was one with the Turkey, I wouldn't have done what I did on Memorial day. I went out hunting with my buddy, Noah. We had an awesome hunt. We went out the evening before on Sunday, we scouted, we put some to bed went in there the next morning, surgically sneaked in. Um, this time of the year, the activity really just kind of dies off quickly. Yeah. You don't know when that faucet is going to turn off and it just kind of becomes a drip after that. Don't get me wrong. Turkeys are still gobbling. They're still strutting. There's still some hens being bred. Most hens are on their nests, but some of them are going to have to re-nest if their nests were destroyed or whatever. But um, when you get to the second half of May, in the Midwest, um, there are a number of factors that influence the the turkey activity. And this year, man, it, it really just like in the last two weeks, shut off pretty hard. When I say shut off, like they're kind of going into their summer patterns. They're a lot more lethargic. They don't gobble as much in the morning or the evening. And that's mm -hmm. what we experienced on Monday when we went to go hunt. Um, we got, I think two gobbles on the limb and they just really didn't want to say a word. And then when they hit the ground, maybe we got two gobbles. Um, but it was a pretty quiet morning in the woods, even though we knew they were there. And so luckily as we were sitting there, we were both starting to get a little bit antsy. We had already repositioned once it was kind of morning half light still at dawn. Plus we're in a super heavy tree canopy. So it's pretty dang dark in there. Even during legal shooting hours when they first start. Yeah. But we're sitting there on this ridge and it's just that irritating feeling knowing that they're there and you don't know where they're going to come from. You don't know what, what's going on. So you just got to be, your head's on a swivel. Well, we were both kind of starting to slough off. Honestly, I was on my phone and a pileated woodpecker landed in a tree right by us and just hammered the tree. It sounded like someone shooting an AK-47. <laughs> and that gobbler just ripped one about 60 yards from us, right up over the crest of the ridge, rattled our chests. And thank God for that woodpecker, because he for sure would have came over that hill and busted us. He was coming right to our calls. But we got that, I don't even want to call it a courtesy gobble, because it was against his will. It was a shot gobble from the woodpecker. Yeah. It gave us just enough warning so that, I could turn my head and watch. Noah could turn his body and reposition a little bit to get ready for the shot. He got his gun up ready with the red dot. 
And uh, I was just sitting there looking at the, looking where the turkey was coming from and then looking at him swiveling my eyes back and forth. And he was bearing down on his gun. And I'm like, I just want to hear the safety turn off, please. Safety. Cause I knew that it would just, it'd be done. Yeah. And I heard that click and I was like, Oh, thank God. Boom. And he, uh, he dropped him. He was like, I think it was like 42 yards, which for TSS, I mean, 40 yards has kind of always been the old standard for just your old copper plated lead loads, Mm -hmm. which still work great out to 40 yards. TSS, you get that effectiveness, you know, out to like 60, but that like 40, I I would argue like the actually 50 yards. If you're shooting a good, well-patterned gun with TSS, I think 50 is about the sweet spot for the balance of energy and pattern density yeah so it, the bird was 42 dropped him just right in his tracks and uh it was a great morning but that bird was sneaking in and that's kind of what they're doing right now so getting back to my whole point of what my story was you asked if i'm one with the turkey <laughs> and i know i'm not one with the turkey yet because what i did merely an hour later was proof that me and the turkey still have some some differences that we need to settle because i spotted a couple gobblers out in this field um it's a field where we've had some strange run-ins before um it's been a it's, it's it should be an easy spot to hunt but we've had just some weird luck there bad luck and so we sneaked in there i brought an avian x full strutter decoy with a real tail fan in it mm-hmm. and they were around this point of timber it was a perfect approach we could get to the point or the corner of the timber and they were going to be around the corner and we'd be able to poke our head around, see if they're still there and then try to see if we can fan them in. And on this particular property, it's private property. You can see everything going on around you. So it's a very safe place to do that, to try to, to fan one. Yeah. And uh, we knew that there were no other people around and this and that. So the safety bases were covered, but it's just a matter of whether they were going to act right. Peeked around the corner, turkeys were gone. Like, well, that's that's weird. They got to be here close somewhere, you know. It's just a matter of whether they're going to respond to calls. Well, I see this trailer coming over the horizon just right on the neighboring property, only about two, 300 yards up the hill, big horse trailer. Turns out someone was packing up their camp for Memorial Day. And I was like, oh, this is perfect because they just bumped the turkeys into the woods with us. I'm sure those gobblers are just standing in there waiting for that truck to leave. You know, they're used to that. Mm -hmm. And so it allowed us to get into an even better position, knowing that the turkeys were probably in the woods, just down from us, just right down the line. So I get there, I'm holding the, I'm primary shooter now because Noah already killed one. He did have a second tag, but I was up to bat. I start holding the strutter decoy up in the air. I'm I'm leaning up against a deadfall in some tall grass. Perfect scenario to fan because you're you're all covered from your essentially your chest down. Yeah. And all you're covering is just this area up here. I start calling, moving that thing. There's some grass across from us. So it's it's grass, field, woods. We're sitting on the line of the woods. Well, what happened was when that horse trailer came through, he must have those birds spooked, but they went opposite ways. So one gobbler went into the woods. One gobbler went into the grass. This one starts coming out of the grass and I'm processing all this in my head. And I'm like, this could not be more perfect because he thinks we're his buddy that he just got separated from. 
So he isn't going to come in an aggression. He's going to come over to hang out with his buddy who he just mixed, just lost. Buddy. Yeah, his his buddy who he was probably spurring in the face like two days prior. <laughs> but starting to roll into summer, they're starting to group back up and tolerate each other. Testosterone's dropping, all that. So he starts coming in on a string. I mean, on a string. He dropped his wings once to kind of go into half strut, just to kind of like I don't know, just just be a gobbler. Put you in check. Uh, What's that? Put you in check. He probably, yeah, he probably actually was the the dominant of the two, and he's just like, don't be getting any big ideas, dude. I'm coming back over. We're going to hang out. We're going to eat, but you're still not going to strut or I'll kick your ass. <laughs> so he starts coming in on a string. He's closing. He's closing. He's closing. And maybe it's a good thing that I still lose it now and then with these turkeys, but he was coming in perfect. He would have walked to my boots. I guarantee it. He would have walked within five yards. He would have walked right up to us, but God. he started veering toward the woods at one point. And I panicked. I was like, I need to make the shot right now before he gets into the woods. And I honestly thought he was close enough. And uh, I'll get to that in a second here when it comes to judging distance. But I dropped the strutter decoy and got the red dot on him shot with total confidence and he flew away Damn he was it. he was just maybe i pulled my shot that is possible i mean i, I honestly I, it's very rare that i do um i just i, I shoot my turkey gun so much that like mm-hmm. to me it's just like picking up a, a rifle i'm comfortable with so like i know the trigger i know the gun like the red dot really helps me stay focused on the target and I don't have to worry about pulling off my, I don't pull off the stock prematurely, none of that stuff. Um, maybe I pulled the shot, but I honestly think that uh, I didn't end up getting a definite range, but I think he was just a little bit too far. Yeah. And, uh, he flew away and I was, I was mortified with myself because I knew better in my heart of hearts. I absolutely knew better. I could have waited. I should have waited and I just lost it. And I, I, that's something that um, going into next season is a big goal of mine is to gain even more composure during those moments Yeah, and be more willing. If there's, if there's any doubt, just be willing to let them go. Like, you know, sometimes they win and that's all right. Mm-hmm. But, now it's easy for me to say that as I'm reflecting on it right now, but you know how it is heat of the moment, dude. Like, you know, you still get excited sometimes oh, yeah. no different than fever. And it's like, Oh no, he's going to leave. And I think I can kill him. Like in the, in the moment, I wasn't even like, ah, oh, that's a poke. It just, it looked close enough and I was wrong. And so that, that brings me to my next point that I think is kind of a cool little anecdote to share with people. You know, we've got this TSS now, which the two worst things to happen to turkeys and best things to happen to turkey hunters were ground blinds and TSS. I would say in the history of wild turkeys and in turkey hunting, pop-up ground blinds and tungsten super shot Mm -hmm. really, really gave us an advantage. Some would even argue maybe too much of an advantage, but that's, that's a whole nother conversation for a different day. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge, huge believer in TSS. Um, if you know what your gun can do, um, even if you're still only shooting at 40 yards, 
the standard 40 yards that was, you know, developed 50 some years ago or whatever as kind of the standard for turkeys back when shot shell technology was pretty inferior. Yeah. Didn't have good chokes, et cetera. Um, the thing you're going to get with TSS is you're just going to get a, an insane amount of energy. So it's going to crush them at 40 yards if you're going to set up properly. Oh, yeah. Can you still do it with standard copper plated lead? Absolutely, you can. But with TSS, you're going to be able to do it with total, total confidence. And if you do misjudge the distance, if you're a 40 yard guy and that bird's at 50, you're still going to crush them. Now, if you do that with copper plated lead, you're probably not. Maybe, maybe you will, but there's a good chance that you're not going to put a lethal shot on them. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, like with my wife, she never been turkey hunting before. And when you add a red dot on top of that, dude, lethal. I mean, yes. that's like when she killed her, her first bird, I knew we were sitting on this opening. We had this road in front of us, decoys between us and the road. And I'd pretty much rain ranged it with my eyes. I didn't have a range finder. I knew it was about 40, somewhere between 40 and 50 yards. I was like, if he just gets to that road, I'm going to tell her to shoot. And that's exactly what happened. He got to the road, stuck his head up. Cause he's like, ah, something's not right here. And I, you can hear me on camera, just like kill him. And she yeah. freaking dropped him 45 yeah. yards. So for her, for a first time Turkey hunter to do that with TSS and red dot, like you said, confidence, goes through the roof with that stuff almost too yeah man good. that's that's really that's that's the key right there that in, in everything always it's the confidence it's the confidence factor like the stuff is just lethal but now i will admit the dark side of it yes um well some people consider tss as a license to kill turkeys at what are probably depending on your opinion, unreasonable distances. Um, if your gun is fully optimized and you're shooting, let's say you're shooting sixes or even sevens. I, I shoot nines, but when you get into sixes and sevens with TSS, mm -hmm. that is carrying a ton of energy. Big so time. you can shoot at pretty extended, extended distances and get that penetration to kill a turkey. Um, what you're losing out on, of course, when you have larger shot size is you know, you're going to, you're not going to have as many pellets in your pattern. So yeah. it's all about finding that happy medium for what you're trying to do. But if you are going to be shooting at distance, you do need to have a solid rest, whether it's your knee or whatever, if you're freehanding it and you're trying to shoot at distance, um, no good. And you need to have a sight system beyond just a bead or fiber optics. Like you got to have a precision sight system, like a red dot or a scope. Um, if you're shooting beyond like that 40 yard mark, because you're covering the whole target with a traditional bead, anything beyond that. I don't yeah. care how good your vision is. But um, getting back to the point with the TSS, the dark side of it is for somebody like me, who's not great at judging distances, and it just happens to be like that, that 40 yard mark. Maybe it's just because I've spent so much time analyzing 40 yards. Mm -hmm. And I bet you a lot of it has to do with bow hunting, you know, like, I practice a lot at 40 yards bow hunting. So it's just like imprinted in my head. That's 40 yards. That's 40 yards. That's 40 yards. Um, but beyond that, no different than bow hunting actually with, with the TSS in a way like that's where things get difficult. Uh, if you, if you haven't pre-ranged stuff or if you haven't set up your decoy True. at a known distance and then like you can kind of figure out just visually 
Um, I have a difficult time judging precise distances beyond 40 yards. And the issue with TSS number nine specifically that I like to shoot and a lot of other people really like to shoot now because you get so many pellets in that in that column mm -hmm. and it has great energy out to 60 yards. But after 60, it's like it just falls off a cliff. Yeah. I mean, the retained energy just really, really fizzles off. And so I learned that this year. Um, I, I took two shots this year that I shouldn't have. They were both too far. The first one was just pure stupidity. I don't know what I was thinking. Honestly, it was just dumb. I got caught in the moment and I, I just totally screwed it up. This one happens. This, this one, I, I can't fully explain. I, I still, uh, I should have done a better job. Like, reenacting it and and trying to get an accurate estimation with my rangefinder but i was so disgusted that i just grabbed my stuff and got out of there i was just <laughs> mad but point is tss is great for the turkey hunter but you still cannot it's it's not uh it's not a safety net yeah. like it is within a certain buffer mm -hmm. but you still gotta really really know your distances and be able to like you you should really be carrying a rangefinder and using it. Now it's not practical to range a turkey when it's coming in because they're going to see you, but at least before free range. Stuff. Yeah, you're in a cornfield and there's some stubble out there. Find a noticeable piece of stubble and pre-range it. You know, find what your bubble is. Yeah, identify that. I didn't do that on this day. Stupid. I got lazy, and I paid for it. And uh, the turkey paid for it. I'm pretty sure that bird was fine. He didn't even flinch, and then he flew away. I hope he was fine. Um, but I'm going to lose sleep over it for sure. Like I, I hate making bad shots on anything and I'm especially turkeys. Like I don't care if they're not a big game animal. It, it hurts me to make bad shots on them. And I also feel like I get bad juju from it. Like, and I deserve it. You know, if you do something like that, it's like the turkey yeah. gods need their reparations. It happens. <clears throat> I know how you feel. It, I did it on a deer. It, well, yeah, we won't, we'll talk about that another day. We could talk about our failures. We could probably have 12 episodes on failures. Oh, we'd have a whole series, dude. We'd have oh, a whole yeah. series. But I kind of wanted to touch on your ranging issue past 40 yards. And something that I found that actually helped me with that, uh, me and a couple buddies, we shot Total Archery Challenge this year. And we got, I think, to the last six targets on an RMEF course. And one of our buddies, we got to the target and he had the bright idea. He's like, all right, nobody's using range finders on this. And so we had shot so much the, the day and a half before on the two courses that we had got to the point where when you start shooting past those distances, which has helped me and I want to start doing it more is being able to range without my range finder and just doing that. And we started doing that. I mean, luckily we hit foam. Nobody lost arrows. I think one guy lost arrows. But if you start doing stuff like that, like that helps your confidence even more. I mean, it could have helped me in a situation, mule deer hunting a couple of years ago, instead of worrying about my rangefinder the whole time. And so, yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good thing to think about. Well, we're on the we're on the subject of turkeys, but <clears throat> just when it when it comes to the whole being able to estimate distances without a rangefinder people forget myself included that typically whatever sight system you're using whether it's a bow or it's a red dot sight 
yeah or it's a rifle scope with a duplex reticle um you can figure out based on your if you spend the time and do your homework and ingrain it in your head you can actually use your your sight mm-hmm. as your rangefinder per se based on the size of your target so if i'm shooting a a 30 moa red dot i know that dot covers three inches at 100 yards well if i figure out you know okay well how if a turkey's coming at me how broad is his chest well let's say his chest is I don't know what it actually is, but let's say it's a foot wide. Yeah. You know, if you trained yourself, you could actually do that quick math. Yeah. Uh, now that said with turkeys talking about all this, man, I, I know the answer really is just, just shoot them closer, make sure they're close. Get like them in. Get them in close. really what you should be doing. Yes. Uh, in a perfect world. But when you have the tools to be able to effectively kill them, at many at what what many would consider extended distances which mm-hmm. is a lot of people consider anything beyond 40 because of the old standard um you know it's nice to be able to sometimes capitalize on that especially if you're trying to accomplish goals like if you're going for a slam or something you know if you've got a gun that can shoot a turkey at 55 60 yards and kill it every single time with a good shot are you gonna not finish your slam on a hunt just because 50 years ago someone said the standard's 40 yards like the times have changed technology is different shot shells are better so i don't know man it's a it's a constant internal battle all these all these weird things especially with turkey hunting we obsess over the smallest little details but that's also kind of what makes it fun it's very similar to hardcore bow hunters and Mm -hmm. archery guys like yourself like Mm -hmm. You love tinkering with your bow and fine tuning your micro adjustments and messing with this, messing with that. Like for me, it's with turkeys. And I just like, I analyze every little detail, even stuff that really doesn't even necessarily matter. Like I just, I just, it makes me tick, you know? So it's teach their own, I guess. Oh yeah. So I kind of, I kind of want to come back to, you know, what you learned from this turkey season and primarily let's talk about Colorado. You went turkey hunting in Colorado. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell, so tell us um, about, tell us about that and kind of like uh, an opportunity you had. Well, one of the biggest things I learned this turkey season um, was somewhat reflected on my experience in Colorado, but uh, it also, uh, that my season started down in Mississippi and then Georgia. Oh yeah, that's right. And, I had hunted, I've hunted Southern states, but in terms of like the quote unquote deep South, um, I really hadn't scratched the surface down there and I'm trying to chip away at my super slam. So I can't remember how many states I've done now. I still got a ways to go, but that was one area that I I needed to start focusing on. So I went down there, did that trip and kind of an, uh, a theme that carried over is there's been all this talk about turkey populations struggling in different parts of the country. And if you don't see it yourself, it's pretty hard to believe. And it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get on board with like supporting the fix potential fixes for that. Like asking people who see giant flocks of turkeys all the time to throw money at NWTF or turkeys for tomorrow or whatever it is, or to like support turkey restoration or conservation or research or any of the things that we need to like make sure there's stable populations everywhere. It's hard for people to 
the average the average guy to to do that if he's mm-hmm. not seeing it himself. Now I'm different because I I understand the larger perspective. I'm more immersed in this and like um I'm just I'm not just like your average turkey hunter. I'm an, I'm a nut about it. But it still was very I think helpful for me to see firsthand what it looks like to be in an area where turkeys are not probably where they should be in terms of numbers. Yeah. Um Mississippi kicked our asses and I was with two dudes one from georgia one from mississippi yeah and we had local dudes who were trying to help us out get us on birds but there's a couple things with down there i think for sure like parts of the south southeast there's no question that numbers are down um where we are at i feel like i don't have history with it but just in talking to people and whatnot i think the numbers were down and then on top of that if you go hunt south and you're not from there you need to realize that turkey hunting culture in the South is much older than the rest of the country. And so they've got decades of turkey hunting culture and experience under their belt. And there are some hardcore turkey hunters who grew up in turkey hunting families where their grandpa turkey hunted. Well, my grandpa, when 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 my grandpa was alive, we didn't have turkeys yet in Minnesota. We didn't have a huntable population. So like South is different. And so the point is there's some damn good turkey hunters in the south they take it yeah. real seriously and they hunt and they spend time hunting and those birds get a lot of pressure especially on public land and i wouldn't have believed it myself until i saw it i thought it was kind of like overstated those turkeys are damn conservative about gobbling <laughs> like they don't gobble a lot i've heard that over and over and I've, I've heard that other places I've been too, and I've heard like, oh, you can't call these turkeys and blah, blah, blah. I've heard that a lot of other places where it was not true. Down there, it's true. They are very hard to hunt. Um, they're very smart birds. They've, they've got generations of education from good turkey hunters chasing them around down there. Lots on, on the public land. And uh, just overall, it was a very tough hunt. And um we we managed to be successful in Georgia. I won't go into great details of that whole trip, mm-hmm. but you asked me one of the big things, big takeaways from the season. So we started there and then I came home, hunted in Minnesota with some buddies. I just ended up going out with a lot of people, brought some people out because I wasn't ready to use my tag yet. Yeah. And then in between there, uh, I ended up going out to a road trip to Colorado and then South Dakota, the Black Hills. Well thing with Colorado again I do think the numbers are down we have a mutual friend out there Jace Bozerman who Mm -hmm. is a pro contributor for HuntStand um he was essentially my host he put me in his a spots and we struggled I was out there with my brother um a couple factors playing into that we had a brutal winter in a lot of parts of the country this year you know, we're seeing massive die-offs of antelope and mule deer in, in parts of Wyoming and yeah. certain areas of the West really, really got pounded. But even where it didn't get pounded, in a lot of places, we had a late winter. So we got there and we were there too early. Um, the birds were not in a lot of the places that they should have been. So we were struggling with that part of it in terms of the, the seasonal transition. We were a little bit too early. Um, but also even Jace agrees, once again, 
the numbers are down. And so we got all these guys out there trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And everybody wants a simple answer, but there's never a simple answer with conservation and biology and animals. Like there's always so many factors at play and whatever's going on in the Southeast ain't going to be the same as what's going on out West. Like they're going to be different things. Mm -hmm. Um, Bottom line is like we've experienced potentially the heyday of Turkey hunting in the country since NWTF restored them. And we might not ever see those numbers again where there might be to use the COVID thing. It might be a new normal to a certain degree, but we can do better. And the only way that we're going to do better is figure out how, what, what do we need to do to help these turkeys thrive? And uh, so I can't state it enough. Like it hurts me to go somewhere and not see turkeys at their maximum potential for the carrying capacity. Um, I want to see turkeys thriving everywhere just so just just for the sake of the turkeys but also so we can hunt them Mm -hmm. and so we really do need to help groups like nwtf we we gotta we gotta be members we gotta throw money at stuff we gotta go to banquets we gotta gotta throw money at at turkeys because yeah that's what's going to be required to make sure that we have good turkey hunting everywhere always and hopefully we can do that but that was one of my key takeaways um I have not struggled in in two states. I, I, I hunt multiple states every year, and I've not struggled the way that I did this year in Mississippi and Colorado. It was unbelievable. I mean, we grinded Colorado. We started at 8,000 feet. We went up to 10,000 feet. We ended up at 4,000 feet. We swapped camps three days in a row. Wow. We weren't finding any turkey sign we were talking to people everybody we could talk to that we ran into mm-hmm. foresters local people at the cafe other turkey hunters people just weren't seeing birds and so we tried to be mobile we moved around we ended up getting into some birds i did have an opportunity on some national forest ground that i i don't want to say i blew i didn't feel good about taking the shot i thought i was gonna have another chance at this bird but he just vaporized behind this giant boulder and I never got to see him again. Um, maybe I should have pulled the trigger, but I didn't, I didn't feel right about it. I felt like I needed to give him a few more steps. And it turns out those few more steps put him behind a eight foot tall boulder and it was still on the half light. So like, I didn't know that he had that escape route. I couldn't even see it. I was so focused on him in this, he's kind of in this brush pile and uh, ended up hunting Colorado like madmen. Got into a few more birds and never got a shot. Um, it was very humbling. So we packed up. We went to the Black Hills of South Dakota, had a great hunt, lucked into a really premium little piece of public. I think that was overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, it was me and my brother. And then my friend from Georgia flew up, picked him up in Rapid City. We went out and uh, within about a day and a half, we we all got our three Black Hills Merriams. So that was an awesome hunt. I'm jealous. You should be, man. It was like, I, I've shot Miriams, several Miriams, but 10 years ago or so, 10, 12 years ago, I hunted the Black Hills and I told myself, cause I failed on that trip. I didn't really know what I was doing to be honest. I thought I knew, but I, in hindsight, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know shit about compared to what I know now with turkey hunting. You didn't know shit about shit. Uh, Pretty much like <laughs> I went out there with this big ego, all confident and stuff. And I didn't know what I was doing. It was, 
and I, it was just ridiculous. Typical twenty-something year old. Yeah. What's that? I said typical twenty-something year old. Oh yeah, dude. We, my buddy and I, went out there. While we were out there, we drove five hundred and fifty miles trying to find turkeys. We never physically saw a long beard in five days. We saw some jakes mm. off the side of the road. We saw a couple hens, but we never saw a long beard just because I didn't know what I was doing. But at that trip, I said, I'm going to Mount a Merriam's, but it's only going to be a South Dakota Black Hills Merriam's, not a Wyoming Black Hills Merriam's, South Dakota, just because I had a vendetta. And I ended up shooting a just a fantastic bird when we were there he's getting mounted right now by a guy named jeff McHugh in southern minnesota he's he's a legend uh turkey taxidermist here in minnesota um but yeah it was a it was a ride man that was a that trip was serious serious grind i mean 3 a.m after 3 a.m after 3 a.m i mean i've probably gotten up at 3 a.m 20 mornings this spring and it used to be a lot harder on me, but uh, I don't know, for better or worse, I've kind of adapted now. And like tomorrow morning, it's going to be weird to not get up at three or four. I'm probably going to naturally like wake up and uh, like you and I talked about, now I need to, now that I've been eating out of gas stations and living like a savage, it's time to get my health in order. So maybe I'll get up early tomorrow morning and go for a run or something. I'll get you whipped into shape. I need it, man. I'm falling apart. Turkey season got me i mean I've, I've been super active and i can i can hang when it comes to hiking around and stuff but i need to get my diet in order no more mcdonald's breakfast no more gas station beef sticks none of that shit Ugh, me and gas stations <laughs> don't vibe well together anymore <laughs> well man i i know we're running out of time here you know we've kind of covered your season kind of your your takeaways what you've learned and you know we've talked about it but what would you say was the most enjoying or enjoyful part of the season for you oh boy man i had so many good moments because i spent i went into this season like i hunted with a lot of people last year i went into this season thinking honestly a little bit more selfishly like when i went into planning i was like I kind of want to spend just more time by myself this year. I know you didn't even um, include me on anything. What the hell? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Should have been up here yesterday. I know. No, I was, I went into the season and I was like, I'm going to spend more time solo hunting and kind of doing my thing and not worrying about other people's schedules and stuff. And just yep. kind of refresh here. I did the opposite. I hunted with a lot of people and I don't regret a second of it. It was awesome. I get, I, I spend the best time with people in the Turkey woods always. And, uh, so that was, that was huge for me. And one of my biggest moments was a week and a half ago. Um, my family has a, a century farm that's about 130, 35 years old now in central Minnesota. I've killed a bird up there. I've, I've had other people up there to kill birds, but my brother had not shot one yet. So we were solely focused on getting him a bird when we went up together and I would be second. And, uh, we ended up having just an awesome hunt. We called in this long beard that we broke off some other turkeys. He did it right for us, strutted in, got it on camera. We're going to run it in the posse next year. And uh, that was that was a great one, just being up there because it's, it's sentimental, being at the family property, watching my brother, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but 
Man, I uh, honestly, it, it might sound a little bit cheesy, but last night, my my last tag, I did hunt this morning with somebody else because today was the last day of the season in Minnesota, but I live on the Wisconsin border, so I hunt there a lot. And this year I had three tags in Wisconsin for three different seasons, D, E, and F. I managed to shoot one in each of those seasons. And uh, the last day of the F season was yesterday. So I actually thought that it went through the end of the month. It's it's ridiculous that it doesn't. Like, why would they end it on the 30th and not the 31st? But Wisconsin ends on the 30th. Minnesota ends on the 31st. Probably a lot of people that went turkey hunting in Wisconsin today not knowing because I was almost one of them and someone reminded me. So yesterday afternoon, like I said, someone, I was just in a text thread with a farmer and my buddy. My buddy mentioned that the season was ending and I'm like, no, it's it goes through the 31st. I had that in my head probably just because I wanted it so bad. Yeah. And uh, I kind of have a tradition of hunting sun up to sundown on the last day. Usually I do it by myself. Um, but I had other plans to go out with somebody this morning, um, which I was happy to do. But when I realized yesterday at about five, five thirty PM, that it was my last day to Turkey hunt with, with a tag in my pocket, I got ready as fast as I possibly could. As I'm getting ready, it starts thunderstorming outside and I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to make this happen. Like I had some birds figured out on this one field, mm-hmm. were field birds. They were hanging out in this giant egg field. Like they often do this time of year. Um, they've been pressured. They've been going through all sorts. They're starting to group up a little bit more again. And I've been observing them on this giant egg field and they've just been hanging out in the middle of it. And I only had access on the field. There's surrounding timber, but there was no way for me to get to these birds after daylight i tried hunting them yesterday morning got in there in the dark set up a ground blind in the middle of the field where they've been hanging out they wanted nothing to do with my setup they skirted me all morning they watched me leave actually from the corner of the field but they didn't spook off and so when i when i, when I went back in there yesterday evening i'm like man i need to get permission from the neighbor just to just to access it through his so I can sneak in through the timber yeah. and get back, cut them off in the evening on their way back to roost. Cause there's two long beards in this flock of about 16 birds. Mm-hmm. And I look up this person's number. First of all, I, I check and hunt stand, find what their name is, find that they live right there. A lot of the, a lot of landowners in these parts, you know, they'll have parcels, but then they live somewhere different. So um, my plan was to try to call them, find their number and call them and then stop by their house. But I was on a time crunch, like the clock was ticking and I knew these birds were going to be working their way back to the roost somewhere around after six. So I drive out there in this thunderstorm and in my mind, I'm thinking this could actually be good because if it's pouring rain, it's going to give me a lot of nice cover. Yeah. Um, And I don't care if I get wet. The only thing I was worried about is the lightning because I'm, I hate lightning. Terrified of and mountain lions. Well, lightning and mountain lions. (laughs) So I get out there. I find this number online. You never know. You look up numbers online. You never know if they're going to be accurate. I leave a voicemail. The voicemail doesn't say it. It's just an automatic thing. Doesn't say the name of the person. Mm -hmm. No response. I park 
where I where I'm gonna get ready to gear up and go hunt, and I'm like, I'm gonna take a crack at him. I might have to try crawling across this field. It's never gonna work, but it's the last day, and I'm gonna try. I'm gonna go turkey hunting. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, you know what? Let me just double check. Where's their house? And it happened to be right there. So I drive over to their house real quick, knock on the door. Nobody's there. I'm just like, oh man. Go back, park where I was gonna get out again to to grab my stuff and go hunt. And I'm like. I'm going to try that phone number one more time. Guy answers. It was, no it was the right number. It was the guy. And he gave me permission to sneak in the back, the back door through his property to get to that field I could hunt. And I sneak in there. I crawl about the last hundred yards to get to the field edge. I can already see some hens only about 60 yards away from me. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering where the rest of the birds are. Cause I know they're there somewhere. Like I said, there's about 16 probably. I only see two hens. Well, I crawl into position. The mosquitoes right now are only time I've seen mosquitoes like this are in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness in northern Minnesota and Alaska, where you step outside and you can hear them just a constant hum. There's an epic hatch right now. I didn't have gloves and I was wearing bare minimum clothes because I was trying to be mobile. And these mosquitoes, as soon as I started crawling to get to my spot, were just swarming me hard. And so I'm sitting there. I get into position. It starts raining. I'm like, oh, good. The rain's going to beat the mosquitoes down. They didn't stop. They kept attacking me. So I'm sitting here, trying not to be seen by those hens, brushing mosquitoes off my forehead. And then it starts pouring. And I'm like, hey, there's no lightning. Like, I can deal with getting poured on. And no, I didn't have rain gear on or nothing. I was getting soaked. No lightning, though. And all of a sudden, lightning's flying around. I'm like, is this worth dying over? And I was like, yeah, it might be. <laughs> so I'm sitting here watching these hens. And then I look out, and I can just see on the crest of the hill, all the other turkeys are standing there looking back into my field corner. And they're just eyeing it up because that's where they're going to go. That's where they're going to come. They're going to feed. And then they're going to go into the woods to roost. And they were just doing the turkey thing. And they're eyeing up their their future. They're all standing there. It was like a bunch of soldiers just standing on the hill in the rain. Like going about ready to go to battle. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like this might actually happen. And. They start working their way toward me, and then it starts really pouring hard. And the lead hen led all of them. They ran to the edge of the field to stand under the cover of some trees that were overhanging the field. Mm -hmm. They all just hunkered down like turkeys do, and they kind of tucked in just to weather the storm. And I'm sitting there, and I'm getting eaten alive, and I'm I'm about at wit's end because I'm super uncomfortable. And this might sound, this might sound like contrived. But I swear to you, all I was thinking was, these things have given me one of my favorite things in life. I've had one of my best turkey seasons. And they have to put up with this every day. They got to they gotta be out here doing this. Like, even if I'm not going to kill one, like, I'm going to sit out here with them. It's oh, the yeah. last night of my season, and I'm going to endure it with them. Like, I, I just felt like I almost, like, owed it to them, you know? See? And so... You were one with the turkeys. So may, maybe yesterday I finally reached it. I don't know. <laughs> you found it, ty- or Turkey King. 
<laughs> Dude, I honestly thought because that 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 stupid shot I made was two days ago. I'm like, uh, I'm gonna be punished the rest of the season. But they granted mercy on me for some reason. So I'm sitting there. And they're turkeys, man. You don't know. They might turn around and go the other way and just disappear. But they did what they were supposed to do. They all took forever, but they the wind or the the rain died down. They slowly started making their way over to me. Hens mm-hmm. were feeding just out of range in this little grass waterway out in the field, probably picking bugs, maybe eating worms. Um, the gobblers, every time I'd observed them during the past three days, were sticking real close to the hens. And uh, the whole time I was out there, I never made a peep. I never called or anything. I didn't want them to know I was there yeah. just trying to ambush. And they never gobbled at all until they got close to me or closer to me, like on my side of the field per se. And then the thunder ripped, they gobbled like three different times the thunder, which was oh, just heck yeah, super cool. And uh, for whatever reason, those two long beards decided to drift over toward me and all the other turkeys were staying out there out of range. And I'm like, this is it. Like I was going to, I was going to wait for the whole flock to feed their way into me. And hopefully at some point, right before they went to fly down, the gobblers drifted over and I'm like, they're in range. And they're not, you know, I'm not having to worry about them mixed up with 14 other turkeys where I'm not going to get a shot. Like, this is my chance. Mm-hmm. So I just put the red dot on the back one and uh, shot them. And I, I was in complete, complete disbelief. I think there was like an hour left of the Wisconsin season on the whole state. And I'm not kidding, man. Like, I shot them. The rain stopped. The clouds cleared. The sunset just golden on the horizon. I saw that picture. I walked into the sunset to go see the bird. And I carried him out on my back, walking into the sunset. And it was just like, it was like the most poetic end to any turkey season I've ever had. So that was, that was my best moment of the season. Just, it, it meant a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Like so many different things that I can't even put into words, but. And um, no camera too. No camera. That one was for me. You got what you got to do sometimes, man. I'm. I mean, I'm going to do that with deer this year. I'm going to go without a camera a couple times. You gotta. You gotta. Even though. Even though we're in the business of creating content and whatnot, um, we're still just dudes. We're still just hunters, yep. and we need those personal times. I mean, that's our. The woods are our church, and sometimes you just you know you just need to go there and just quietly go to service and just do it for yourself absolutely no distractions absolutely well man you know just about out of time here what are you looking forward to most about next turkey season next turkey season or have you even put any thought into it you're still thinking about last night oh i've definitely put thought into it absolutely um well man i i would be much farther along in my quest for this the super slam, but the trap I fell into is for so many years, I kept going back to States that I really enjoyed. So I, I was just doubling up, tripling up, quadrupling up on certain States. Yeah. And now that I'm making it a point to hunt new States every year, um, that's what I'm definitely looking forward to. I think you and I are going to go on a quest maybe out in Idaho and Montana or something. Um, so uncharted territories, I'm, I'm stoked on that. And uh, 
hopefully just just adding a few more states and getting to experience the turkey in a few more places where they like to live heck yeah dude man appreciate you hopping on the podcast to talk turkey and wrapping up this turkey season with me i loved it and actually when we sign off i gotta go uh, i've got that bird on ice i gotta go uh, butcher that turkey i shot last night so jealous. i'm gonna enjoy that as well jealous well appreciate it man right on